Good evening, everyone. It's good to see each and every one of you here again tonight for what the Bible really says. And again, I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm rejuvenated, re-energized. Um, had the opportunity to go home and just uh, see the smiles on my kids' faces, which was, uh, which was a blessing to me. And then my wife just sent me a text message where um, my one-year-old jumped into uh, his sister's bassinet and is sleeping. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's uh, never a dull moment. So I praise the Lord for that. Anyways, I want to thank Pastor Ken for that welcome. And I'd like to add a prayer along with his because I need the Holy Spirit and uh, we need the Holy Spirit to be our teacher tonight. So, Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together again to open up your word and to study your word. We pray for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So tonight we're going to be looking at um, a very important topic, or very, uh, two very important topics this evening, having to do with the temple or the sanctuary. First one is, first, the first one we're going to look at is the body temple, <laughs> you and me, and then we'll look at the temple or the sanctuary that's, uh, that's in heaven. But before I do, I'd like to remind you that tomorrow night, you don't want to miss tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, 7 p.m., you want to invite somebody, that's fine, bring someone, all are welcome to join us um, for our continuing series of what the Bible really says. So tomorrow night, we're going to be looking at the Messiah and the judgment the Messiah and the judgment. So you don't want to miss that. And then we're going to take a break for um, a few days, Monday through Thursday, and then come back again on Friday night. And uh, we're going to have another powerful weekend in store for all of you. So tonight we're going to look at what we've been looking at every night in our time together, the four principles of true Bible interpretation, the four principles of true Bible interpretation and the first one, again, is every, everyone, you know what this one is. God is what? God is love. First John chapter 4, verse 8. And I hope that you discovered, as we've been going through these topics together, that God indeed is love. God shares with us the truth from his word. He shares with us the truth from his word because he loves us. And even, even the, this morning when we were talking about being born again, being born again, I mean, that's the love of God, folks. And I forgot to mention this morning, born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. I mean, you understand that, right? I mean, we're born in the flesh. We're born um, once, and if we remain that way, then we are going to die twice. The Bible teaches us. However, if we are born twice, then we only die once, and that, is, that death we know according to Scripture is temporary, because when Jesus comes again, he grants us the gift of immortality, which I know all of you in here are looking forward to. Would you say amen? amen. That change, that time, that change, not only of your body, uh, but we will also be changing locations for about a thousand years from this earth to heaven and spending it together with Jesus and with loved ones. So God is love, and I hope that that's something that's sinking in. God is love. And then number two, the whole Bible is to be our what? Our, to, the whole Bible is to be our guide. Um, Genesis to Revelation, all of it. All of it is God-breathed. All of it is good for us. And so we are to trust solely in the Word of God. In the Word of God. Again, it doesn't matter what my opinions are. Um, 
And it, 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 we need to pray every time we approach the Bible, Lord, help me to, to let go of my preconceived notions and opinions and ideas. Um, please, don't, please help me not to try to impress upon the Word of God my mind frame or my mentality, but rather bring my mind and my heart and my entire being into harmony with your Word. Um, that's what we need. So the whole Bible is to be our guide. And then number three, the Bible cannot contradict itself. The Bible cannot contradict itself. That's very important. Um, number four, it's always important to read the Bible in what? In context. To read the Bible in context. And so now we're going to get into our study for tonight, which is living life to the fullest. Living life to the fullest. You know, according to the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, Jesus speaking says, that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I am come that they might have what? Life. And life more what? Abundantly. That's the life that God wants us to have. Even while here on earth, He wants, to, he wants us to live life to the fullest, to enjoy Life, And I know that, you know, even though we're facing all these things that we have happening around us, perhaps even in our own families and individually, but beloved, I want to share with you that God wants us to live life to the fullest according to his word and the principles in his word. So let's go inside of our study guide for this evening. And it says here, quoting the Danish twin study, Dan Buettner, author of The Blue Zones, stated that only about 10% of how long the average person lives within certain biological limits is dictated by our genes. The other 90% is dictated by our lifestyle. Evidently, people have a great ability to affect, positively or negatively, how long they live. But God's plan isn't just, what we, isn't just that we live long lives on this earth. He wants us to live eternally. What does the Bible say concerning our physical health? And is there any connection between physical and spiritual health? The Bible contains the keys to a happy, healthy, and very long life. So what we're going to look at is we're going to look at a co correlation between the physical and the mental and the spiritual. Beloved, I want to share with you that I praise God that his word presents to us a holistic message. Would you say amen? God is interested in us wholly. He wants, he wants the whole being. And God wants us to live and to be in good health, folks. Notice what the first question is. How important is our health? How important is our health? Please notice what it says in 3 John verse 2. 3 John verse 2. The Bible says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in what? And be in health, just as your soul prospers. So what does God want us to be? He not only wants us to prosper, but he also wants us to be in what? In health. God wants us to be in health. So our health is very important, folks. Our health is very, very important. The subject of health is one of the most important subjects of the Bible. The Apostle John wished for his friends to prosper both physically and spiritually. Whatever affects the health of the body will affect the whole person. This includes the way we feel, think, 
and interact in our relationships. When you care for your body physically, your mind will also do better. A clear, sharp mind is more easily connected with God, providing a platform for true health and happiness. So our health is very important to God. Okay? Our health is very important to God, and it should be important to us. Would you say amen? It should be important to us. Please notice question number two. Why did God share principles of good health with his people? Why did God share principles of good health with his people? Please notice what it says in the book of Exodus, chapter 23, verse 25. Exodus, chapter 23, verse 25. The Bible says, You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take what? Sickness away from the midst of you. Isn't that a beautiful promise by God? And beloved, I want to share with you, just as we shared on a previous night about the law of God, the moral law, that there are, there are ramifications, there are repercussions, there are consequences to breaking and violating that law. The same applies to the laws of health. And we all know, I mean, all we got to do is look around us and perhaps even ourselves, you know, we, we, we're dealing and battling with certain, with certain health problems, certain health issues, but God wants us to be in optimum health. And beloved, I know that all of us here, we, we wrestle with certain things, whether it's passed down to us through our genes or hereditary, whatever the case may be, but, and it's in our blood. But I think there's a hymn that I love very dearly. It says, would you be free from the power of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's power in the blood. Would you say amen? And so the blood of Jesus, whether, whether, whether we receive it, you know, from our parents and our family or through the bloodline or whether we cultivate or develop these tendencies to evil and sin, I praise God that he has sent the Holy Spirit to help us, to help us to gain the victory over both cultivated and hereditary tendencies to evil. And beloved, that's good news for us because naturally none of us in our own strength and own power have, have what it takes to overcome and to turn away from certain things. But praise be to God for Jesus and for the Holy Spirit. Would you say amen? All of heaven is at our disposal, folks. God has made himself fully available to help us, to help us in these times and in these battles. The battle is the Lord's. So please notice question number three. What sort of life does Jesus promise us? And I Share that with you just a moment ago. John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more what? Abundantly. Abundantly. Are we living that abundant life? <laughs> I mean, are we, are we enjoying life? And can folks around us tell, man, you know, even with everything that's going on, you're still, man, why, you know, why are you smiling? Why, what are you happy about? You know, and um, I think that we ought to be able to make a difference in our spheres of influence and whoever we're in contact with. You know, beginning in our homes, right? There ought to be a difference in our homes and, and, and among our family. And then as we move out, you know, to our, 
workplaces or if you're retired, you know, and you move out and you're doing something as a hobby or in the community, folks, people ought to be able to tell that we are living life and enjoying life regardless of our circumstances and our situation. Please notice what it says here. God's desire is that his people, while preparing for everlasting life, live life to the fullest. God wants us to flourish. An abundant life includes the personal presence of Jesus, praise be to God, who longs to give us a life of health and happiness beyond our imagination. Question number four. What does the Bible call our body? What does the Bible call our body? Please notice what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says, Do you not know that your body is the what? Is the temple of who? The Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your what? In your body. Beloved, we are his both by creation and redemption. Christ purchased us, and so we are not our own. You know, I, I, could, I could plug in here at this time stewardship. And it's not, when we're talking about stewardship, it's not just talking about money and finances and talents and time. It's also being a faithful steward over this temple or this body that God has given us. And it is supposed to be the habitation of the Holy Spirit. Think about that, folks. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell in you and me. Would you say amen? I mean, that, what, a, what, a, what a magnificent thought. What a marvelous thought to think about that. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell in each and every one of us. And so, beloved, I, you know, I praise God for that. And notice what it says here. Some people have the attitude of, it's my body, and I can do what I like with it. Sure. But the human body was intended to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit as such. We have a responsibility to care for ourselves physically and emotionally to keep ourselves in the best possible condition to maintain a loving relationship with God. If the mind is dulled, communication with God is made more difficult and spiritual growth is stunted. Having vitality and good health helps us understand the Bible and establish a close relationship with God. Would you say amen? And this is why, you know, um, praise be to God for this beautiful message that he's given us regarding health. Because now, um, this is also one of the ways in which we can go out and reach out to the community is through the health message. Through the health message. You know, um, just last week, last weekend on Sunday... Out there in Maple Valley, they had a, they put on a, a healthy cooking class, you know, where you have the options of, of um, having a vegetarian or a vegan meal. They, 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 they also had demonstrations on how to bake good, healthy bread <laughs> and, and had some other stuff, too. And I mean, um, macaroni and cheese, you know, um, vegan macaroni and cheese and things like this. And do you know that? There were over, there were over, pastor, it was what, 58 people that registered, and about 38 people showed up for the class. I'm talking about these, these folks were all from the community. We had sent out cards, um, you know, um, advertising the cooking class, 
And we had 38 people from the community come out, and they enjoyed themselves, and they want to come to the next cooking class or health, or health uh, class. And praise be to God for that, right? I mean, I think we discovered at least a little bit in Maple Valley what the itch is. Because folks want to understand how to have, you know, healthier cooking classes, how to eat more healthier, how to eat more clean. Um, they want to know how to reverse diabetes. They want to know how to deal with different health issues. And beloved, God has laid out in his word, God has laid out in his word, some natural ways of dealing with some of the issues or the issues that we have and face in society today when it comes to health. But now, notice what it says here in the next question. Um, so your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, if you read the context, Paul is also, this is why it's important to read it in context. <laughs> Not only is it speaking about us individually, but it's also speaking about us as a church. Isn't that right? If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 6 contextually, Paul is also speaking about us as a church because we as a body of Christ, we are the temple of Christ, and so therefore the Holy Spirit wants to fill the church, the temple, the people. Would you say amen? I mean, wouldn't that be beautiful if all of us, I mean, I, I think about this on Sabbath morning every day um, as I'm preparing throughout the week and as I'm, as I'm, you know, meeting with God privately and individually and then with my family. Can you imagine can you imagine, Juanita, what this place would look like, what the church would look like if all of us spent that time with God during the week? I mean, however you want to spend it, whatever time of the day works best for you, for me, early in the morning. I don't know. God always seems to wake me up at 4 o'clock in the morning. He's been faithfully doing that for years. Even when I was, walking, when I was not walking with Jesus, I still woke up at 4. There's like an internal alarm clock that goes off for me when it's time for me to meet with God early in the morning because that just seems to be the best time for me. But now whatever time works for you, whether it's early in the morning or late at night, whatever the time is, I want you to know that it's important for us to spend that quality time with God in devotion and prayer daily. Because let me ask you a question. And fasting, by the way, is, is healthy, but you, and there are different ways to fast also. Um, especially the men. Let me ask the men. How many of you would be grumpy if you came home and, there's, and supper hasn't been prepared or lunch hasn't been prepared throughout the entire week? And you haven't eaten. And, you, and you've been working out there hard. I know Scott, you know, Carpentry, um, Gary and Ed and, and Dennis and Darren, all of you, Ron, all of you guys and, that are, you know, maybe doing something very physical in your work. And if you're not given anything, any sustenance during the week... I mean, you just, I know, I know my mind probably wouldn't function, right? Although I know that that would probably be best for me at times to reboot my system. Isn't that right? But now, let me ask you this. So if, the, if, that, if, that, if that's the case with physical food, how much more then do we need the Word of God or the bread of God and his food for us on a daily basis. Would you say amen? amen? How much more do we need it? It's very important. Very important. I believe it says over there in Matthew 4, 4, it talks about how God, Jesus said to the devil that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The patriarch Job puts it this way. He says that 
I esteem thy word more than my necessary food. And so it's important. Now imagine this, Gary, imagine what would happen then if we all spent time like that with God and we were all surrendering to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Can you imagine what the church would be like? That means that when we come to church, we no longer, we're not praying, Holy Spirit, please come and, and, and visit us here at Enumclaw or Maple Valley or any other church. You know why? Because the members themselves will be so filled with the Holy Spirit that each and every one of us will bring the Holy Spirit with us. That's a Spirit-filled church. Would you say amen? amen. So, notice question number five. What are some practical ways we can enhance our health? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, the Bible says, whether you what, everybody? Eat and what else? Drink. And that, I love this. And then Paul just covers everything else. He says, or oh, whatever you do. <laughs> right? He said, no, you know what? I'm just going to cover everything else. That way, people can't try to poke, you know, find loopholes in it and say, well, you know, we can do this and that. He says, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the what? To the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. And the garden says here, notice that God wants us to glorify him in all that we do, including how we eat and drink. It is easy to imagine ways of eating and drinking that are not to, to the glory of God. In his word, God gives us clear instruction as to how we can treat our body temple in a way that glorifies him in a way that glorifies him. And I want to tell you, whew, I think I mentioned it last night that, man, I, I woke up um, several days this week just feeling aches and pains and really, 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 really sore because I went to the gym a couple of times this week and pushed myself, you know, trying to do some temple renovation. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Temple renovation, man, that, that, that stuff is, man, that stuff can be painful. It's like the Lord just chiseling on me. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, but, but we're going to discover, you know, you know the, 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 there's eight principles of health, and we're going to look at that. But, beloved, I want to share with you that all of these things are very important because God wants us not only to prosper, but he wants us to be in health. Please notice question number six. When did God first speak to the human family about his plan to guide us in good health? It goes all the way back to the beginning. God's original plan. God's meal plan. Okay? Notice what it says here in Genesis chapter 1 verse 29. Genesis 1 verse 29, the Bible says, God said, See, I have given you every what, everybody? Every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose what? Fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for what? For food. So in the Garden of Eden, before the appearance of sin and death, the diet God prescribed for Adam and Eve did not include animal flesh. Meat was not a part of God's original dietary plan for the human family, and God's original dietary plan was clearly effective. Following this plan... Methuselah lived to be 969 years old, Genesis 5.27. So we see that God's original plan, God's original meal plan, his original diet for the human race was a plant-based diet. 
a plant-based diet. Let me ask you a question. When you look around society and you look around the world today, do you see an uptick with many different organizations and even many different churches who are now promoting a healthier lifestyle? I mean, have you, I mean, have you heard even doctors now say that if you, want to, if you want to beat high cholesterol, if you want to beat high blood pressure, heart disease, if you want to reverse diabetes, you've got to change your lifestyle and your diet. And here God has blessed us with this message from his word. And also from... <laughs> oh, a little old lady over a hundred years ago. And somehow, some way, you know, it just seems as if the world is almost bypassing the church when it comes to this message. But I, I got news for you. God has given us, though, the true message on health. Would you say amen? And, and if there's ever a time that people need, need the health message and, and um, God's prescription, it is now. This is one of the areas, in fact, in which we're going to be able to have a greater impact on the community. Because the health message is the opening wedge to the gospel. Now imagine you walk into somebody's home and they're dealing with an issue and you've read up on some things and you've studied some things or you know about some natural remedies and you come in there and you say, hey, listen, you know, um, I know that you're, you're dealing with this and that. You, first of all, you want to become friends with them, right? But you, you know that they're dealing with an issue. And then, man, imagine, Darren, if you're helping them to, to, live, to live more healthy, then they're, going to be a little, then they're going to be a little bit more open to receive the gospel. So God's plan has always been the best plan. And I understand that every individual is different and must listen to his or her body because we all, you know, depending on what, what you're, what you're you know, facing or um, what your health is like, I mean, there are certain things that you can't eat, even, even those things that are good for you, and so you've got to be very careful, right, with that. But God's Word tells us that a plant-based diet was the original diet and, and is the best diet because it's God's plan. But now let's go on to question number seven. I was going to say something about, you know, uh, see, I've given you every herb, and there are those because of uh, what's been passed in this state and in the state of Colorado who think that that's referring to something else as well. Um, you know, I just, uh, I, won't, I won't comment on that right now. Um, let's go to question number seven. When God modified his original dietary plan for humanity, what restrictions did he place on what people should, should and should not eat? By the way, this is found if you want to, you know, the passages that you look on, look at for clean, for clean um, meats is Leviticus chapter 11, which we have here, and Deuteronomy chapter 14. Okay? But notice what the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 11. When God modified his original dietary plan for humanity, what restrictions did he place on what people should and should not eat? 
Leviticus 11.3 says, Among the animals, and all of you know this, among the animals, whatever, what's the word? Divides the hoof. Having cloven hooves and chewing the what? Chewing the cud, that you may eat. That you may eat. So the Bible makes it very clear, very plain, um, which animals are clean to eat. It must have what? A divided hoof. And then what does it mean to chew the cud? These animals have what is called a ruminating what? Stomach. And so they're able to, they're able to chew and then swallow and then regurgitate it up. And that's what, you know, chewing the cud. And so that's, these are, these are um, descriptions given of God, by God on what is clean to eat. What is clean to eat. And chewing the cud you may eat. Somebody help me out. What are some of those animals? Cow, right? What else? Sheep, thank you. Goat, deer, right? Llamas? Yeah, they don't, they, yeah. Yeah, but it's okay, right? It's okay. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, like, it's like, like the pig, it has, a, it has a split hoof, but it does not chew the cut. So we have a, but yeah, but thanks for bringing that up. No, you're fine. Um, so those are several animals that are, that are clean. But now let's look at, let's look at uh, here. It says, God made it clear that, that should people decide to eat animal flesh, they should not eat unclean animals, including pigs, rabbits, camels, and horses. Only animals that have a split hoof and chew the cud are acceptable for human consumption. By the way, did you guys notice that in, in Genesis, um, the decline in, in years um, after the flood... When God first gave permission for man to eat meat, okay, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a steep decline in both age and stature. So I'm a living testimony of that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yep. So just to let you know, just to let you know, you know, I just imagine, you know, brothers and sisters, what it's going to be like on resurrection morning when when we see Adam, the father of our race, compared to the rest of us. I mean, just imagine what that's going to look like. Okay? Um, according to, you know, Spirit of Prophecy, he could have stood anywhere between 15 to 20 feet tall. I mean, the Bible says over there in Genesis chapter 6 that there were giants in the lands in, in, that, in those days. And so you can imagine these big, you know, enormous um, human beings um, who were perfect, Adam and Eve, and then sin came in. Yes, so there you have it. You know, the animals that divide the hoof um, have cloven hooves and, and chewing the cud. God defines that as the animals that are um, for consumption, human consumption. However, um, we know that even today, if you look at, if you look at all these, these documentaries that are coming out, um, they will even tell you that um, a lot of the meat that is being put out there today is, is not good. It's not good. And so God, God is looking out for, for people. He's looking out for us because he wants us to be in good health. Please notice question number eight. What were the restrictions on eating unclean animals intended only for the Jewish people? Well, before a Jew existed. In Genesis chapter 7 verse tw uh, 2 says this. God instructed Noah to do this. He said, you shall take with you seven each of every what? Clean, Clean animal. Notice the, notice the distinction. 
clean animal, a male and his female, to each of animals that are what? Unclean, male and his female. So even then, God made it very clear and made a distinction between clean and unclean animals. Okay? So, as for back, as far back as the time of Noah, God clearly distinguished between clean animals and unclean animals, and Jews didn't yet exist in Noah's day. He told Noah to take onto the ark seven of every clean animal and two of every unclean animal. God's intention was not that the unclean animals would be eaten. If they were, the species in question would have become extinct. God's instruction to Noah, long before the first Jew lived, clearly shows that restrictions against eating unclean animals do not apply only to the Jewish people. God's principles for honoring him and enjoying good health are for everyone. Let's go to question number nine. What did God say about creatures that live in the water? What did God say about creatures that live in the water? Please notice what it says in Leviticus chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. Leviticus 11, verses 9 and 10. These you may eat of all that are in the water. Whatever in the water has what? Fins and scales. Whether in the seas or in the rivers, that you may eat. But all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are what? An abomination to you. Now, beloved, again, here's the principle that we looked at as for true Bible interpretation. Why is God revealing all of this stuff to us? Do you think that God is showing this because he loves us? Yeah. Yeah, God loves us. I mean, he loves us. He he wants to make it very clear to us what is clean and unclean and what is, you know, um, okay to eat. So we have here in the water, it says that only that which has fins and scales are clean. So now that takes away catfish. Now, you know, you go, to, you go down south or you go, you know, you go to some of these, uh, some of these places, man, people love their catfish, you know. Love their catfish. But they're not clean. What about shellfish? Shellfish, crab, and shrimp. And, you know, I always wondered why they sold those things for, like, you know, all you can eat for $1.99. <laughs> I mean, what, what, is, what is behind that? You know what I mean? No, go ahead and eat all you want. I mean, basically, like, 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 like swine, they're basically the scavengers of the sea. You know, they're, they're like the filters of, of the ocean. They clean up everything, you know. And so the Bible makes it very clear. In an attempt to protect us from illness and disease, God asked that everyone eating creatures that live in the water refrain from eating certain creatures that were never intended to be food for the human beings. Filter feeders such as oysters and other shellfish have a very important role in the ecosystem. They cleanse waterways by ingesting water and filtering out impurities. Lobsters, crabs, and other bottom feeders cleanse rivers and oceans of dead matter. The same is true for catfish and other similar creatures. While not intended as food for people, these creatures perform the important task of helping to cleanse the planet's water supply. And notice, God said that eating of unclean animals is an abomination to you. Nowhere in the Bible did God ever declare something to be an abomination that he later declared to no longer be an abomination. God stated that unclean food is an abomination and never reversed 
that declaration. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm an islander, and so you know I love that stuff that comes out of the water. Okay? Now, my father used to eat some interesting things before he came to Jesus. I mean, sea urchins and um, turtles. I mean, other stuff. My, dog, my, my dad, even once upon a time, used to eat dog. Back in the days in Samoa, he used to eat bat. You know those flying rats? Yeah, he used to eat bats. And he said it was tasty, too. He said dog was pretty good. But he said he also thanked God for Jesus. Would you say amen? Came along and, you know, I mean, and the Bible is very clear. He thanked God for the word. He thanked God for the truth. I was going to get share a little, little, um, a little, a little uh, illustration with you, but I think it might be a little bit too graphic, and so I'll, 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 I'll save it, okay? But yeah, all of these things, folks, are not are not good for us, not good for us, and um, so if you have any camel steaks in your refrigerator or um, you know, rabbit for for stew for the upcoming Easter, um, which, by the way, I, you know, that's that's another story in itself with regards to Easter. But all that stuff needs to go. Okay, let's go to question number ten. What instruction did God give with regard to eating birds? To eating birds. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 13, the Bible says, These you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall be what? They shall, be, they shall not be eaten. And I want you to notice which birds are mentioned here. I'm just mentioning a few here. They are an abomination. The eagle. When's the last time you had vulture soup? Or baked vulture? Or fried vulture? <laughs> right? I know, you know, you know, uh, fried chicken is, you know, um, the buzzard, okay, the buzzard, and then, but you're going to discover that many of these birds are either birds of prey or scavengers, right? And so, you know, you have all these other birds that are not fit for consumption, but of course, you know, you have chickens and turkeys and Man, I'm so thankful I praise the Lord. I mean, even though I know the symbolism also, but aren't you thankful? You know that um, Benjamin Franklin, once upon a time, he wanted our country to be, our country bird and, and symbol to be the turkey. Aren't you glad we're not a nation of turkeys? Right? <laughs> Man, praise the Lord. Um, let's go to question number 10. Or oh, I've already read it, sorry. But here it says, birds of prey and birds that feed on carrion, the flesh and of dead animals, are declared by God to be unclean. While chickens and turkeys are clean birds, eagles, vultures, and other similar birds are declared by God to be unclean. Okay? You know, I recently had somebody, um, somebody in the church, I won't say which church, but they asked me if, if, uh, if it was okay to eat chocolate-covered ants. Now, of course, you know, you, you, you read about um, uh, locusts or grasshoppers, right? 
but chocolate-covered ants, and um, they're not found to be among the clean, you know. Um, there was also some question about a duck, you know, about ducks, but yes, Brett. Say again, insects? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, you know, and, and I'm not trying to be uh, funny or, or in any way uh, judgmental, but you know that in a lot of those countries out there in Asia, I mean, they, they just about eat anything. You know, I mean, um, anything, with, you know, that is in the ocean. And I mean, so I just wonder, you know, sometimes I, I, I will take a, take a look at some of these programs. I don't know how many of you guys have ever heard of that. Oh, what's his name? That guy that travels around and eats everything. I mean, he tries everything in different countries. I'm like, man, this guy must have a steel stomach or something. Yeah, I mean, he travels around and he just tries all this, I mean, these, these crazy things that, you know, um, wow. Like, praise the Lord for, for what he tells us in his word. Let's go to question number 11. Does God speak in favor of consuming alcohol? You know, there's a lot today that talks about it's, you know, you got people in the health industry and even in uh, the medical profession that say it's okay to drink a little bit of wine here and there. Um, and I just want to share what the Word of God has to say. Does God speak in favor of consuming alcohol? And by the way, the Bible does speak about both fermented and unfermented wine in Scripture. Okay? Um, Notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is what? Is not wise. Proverbs 21, verse 31 to 33. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Question, is there anybody in here who can testify to that? Yeah, I mean, sadly, same here, that if you, you know, once upon a time used to consume alcohol and, and you'd get drunk or inebriated, you know that you would see strange things and you begin to speak strange things. Crazy. To some, yes, crazy stuff. To some, it's a truth serum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what you really feel about a person actually comes out. But the Bible makes it very clear, and if you read, if you read, the, rest of the, if you read the rest of the passage, it also says that, you know, you wake up, I mean, you can, be, you can be hungover, you can be earling, you know, you can be doing all that stuff, you, you can even wake up with black eyes because you don't know what happened, you know, maybe you offended somebody or got into a fight, and it says, and yet you would wake up the next morning and take it up again, and do it all over again. Praise be to God for the power of the gospel. Would you say amen? amen? And it's a serious thing, folks. Please notice what the lesson study says. The Bible speaks very clearly about the dangers of alcohol use. While it is true that many people in the Bible drank alcohol, the Bible never portrays such alcohol use in a positive light. Bible figures also practice bigamy and own slaves, yet such flawed behavior cannot be used to justify similar practices today. Now, you guys are familiar with uh, the story of Cana, right, or 
when, when Jesus was at the wedding feast, okay, and they ran out of wine, and Christ, you know, I mean, his mother said, you know, can you please help out in this situation? And he said, woman, you don't know what you're asking because my time is not yet. But nonetheless, he, <laughs> he, he did honor his mom, and, and, and he, did, he did honor the request, and they brought all these jars in, and he turned water into what? Water into wine. Now, come on, folks, if, if we're thinking about this, do you think that Christ turned that water into fermented wine? No. Because fermentation in Scripture oftentimes is a symbol of sin. That's why when Christ even hung on the cross, he didn't partake of that gall and vinegar because he knew that although it was given to him to deaden the pain, he didn't want his mind to be what? He didn't want his mind to be dulled or because he wanted, to, he wanted his mind to stay connected. He wanted his mind to be clear. And so, the effects of alcohol we've known for many, many years and throughout our history has been a poor, a poor one. And even those who say they drink it just on social occasions, I want to share with you, beloved, that I can't trust myself doing that. Not with my history. Not with my family history. You know, we might say, you know, it's okay to drink socially and once in a while, but let's, let's, let's be honest here, folks. Do you know that all it, does, all it takes is one step in the wrong direction? And you'll find yourself spiraling downward and out of control. And please notice what it says here in question number 12. What wine does God recommend people freely consume? What wine does God recommend people freely consume? Isaiah chapter 65 verse 8. The prophet writes this, as the new what? As the new wine is found where? In the cluster. And one says, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servant's sake, that I may not destroy them all. So when he's speaking about the cluster, the, wine, the new wine found in the cluster, he's speaking about fresh grape juice, right? Fresh grape juice. This is why there's a difference between between the way we observe and, and do communion from other churches who, or church or system that uses alcoholic wine. And beloved, I want to share with you that the Bible makes it very clear that this new wine is found in the cluster, the cluster of the grapes. And he says, do not destroy for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servant's sake that I may not destroy them all. Please notice what the lesson says. The wine God permits his people to drink is that which is found in the cluster, the unfermented juice of the grape. While some people point to Jesus' turning, or Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding feast at Cana in John 2, verses 1 through 11, as justification for drinking alcohol, there is nothing in the story that suggests Jesus created alcohol rather than grape juice. It would be clearly inconsistent for Jesus to inspire Bible writers to speak strongly against alcohol use and then create many gallons of alcohol to be consumed at the end of a wedding feast. Okay? That's right. And by the way, going back to, you know, the, even with the meat, I just want to share with you that, again, there, there seems to be this movement that is taking place where folks are turning to... Um, 
different alternatives for health. I mean, for, 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 you know, for meals, for eating. You know, they want, they want a vegetarian diet. Many are turning to uh, vegan diets or plant-based diets. And they're discovering that because it's, 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 it's more beneficial to their health. And we're talking about a lot of people, a lot of people who don't even believe in God. Okay? I mean, you walk into an Indian restaurant. You walk into a Buddhist restaurant. You walk into a New Age restaurant. And many of these folks are promoting what? Promoting health. There's a, there's a, there's a place downtown um, called um, um, Bamboo Garden. I don't know how many of you have ever been there, but there's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Chinese place. The entire menu, the entire menu is vegan Chinese food. But, but what I'm saying is this, is that all of these folks are promoting a more healthier lifestyle. Medical professionals are saying that if you want to, if you want to live more healthy and you want to, you want to change what's happening in your, in your body, you have to change your lifestyle and your eating habits. And God has shared this with us a long, long, long time ago, folks. I want to even share something with you. Okay. It's not in the lesson, but Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus chapter 17. And again, I'm not, you know, I mean, if you're anyone that's still eating meat, you know, if it's clean meat, hey, it's in the Bible, right? <laughs> so I'm not going to, you know, I mean, who am I to judge? 17. Leviticus chapter 17. I'm just, what I'm promoting to you is what the Word of God promotes to us as God's original plan, God's original um, diet for us. And it, it, listen, it's not just about diet too. There are other things too. I mean, don't we need to exercise? Yeah. By the way, I've discovered, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to do this sometime in my, own, in my own backyard, is I want to plant a garden. You know, I've been trying to find, if I can, Darren, I, I just feel like I didn't move out far enough. My initial plan was to go out and to find, go further out into the country and to find some acreage so I can plant some, a garden and a plantation and grow food. I mean... That's what, do you know, do you know that, that that, even that right there, that exercise is, is just as good, if not better, than going to the gym? Because listen to, listen to all the benefits that you get from it. You're working the soil from which we come from. The benefits of sunshine. <laughs> the, the benefits of working, you know. And, and I don't know how many of you in here have a garden, but, I mean, you know what it's like. And it, and, it, and it reinvigorates, it, it energizes. And then, nice, pure, clean water. Rest. Now, please pray for me because I need to work on that one. <laughs> Even though it's a little bit more difficult. But, I, man, I got I to gotta sneak in some rest somewhere. Okay? Right? Some rest. And then, you know, um, nutrition or... or, or Proper diet. 
sunshine, exercise, air, right? You know, one of the things that I've, I've discovered and I'm learning is that as we get older and as we become adults, you know what I've been watching my two little ones? They breathe properly. I mean, have you ever, if you, if you watch little children, their diaphragms expand and drop and collapse because they're breathing properly. You know what, you know what, you know what um, they say is one of the biggest causes of diseases for humans today is that we don't breathe deep enough. We're not taking in enough oxygen. Our body is depleted, is deprived of oxygen. That's why whenever we exercise, have you noticed that it's, it seems like it's only when we exercise is when we actually are breathing the way we should. <laughs> you know, now I'm not going to do that while I'm preaching because I'll never get through a sermon. Okay? But I need to practice, we need to practice proper breathing techniques. Do you know that all these, all these um, the other thing about medicine today is now they say, you know, that if you, want to, if you want to lower blood pressure naturally and all this other stuff, they say just take some time, find somewhere to sit down, be calm, relax, and breathe. Leviticus chapter 17, please notice what it says in verse 10. <laughs> okay, here we go. Are we there? The Bible says, and God said to Israel, and this is also for us, and whatever man of the house of Israel or of any or of the strangers, praise be to God that he added that, who dwell among you, who eats any what? Any blood. I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. Notice verse 11. For the life of the flesh is where? Is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. You ever heard of kosher? Kosher meat? Well, you know, the Jewish people, it's interesting, you know, that uh, they, what they would do is they would have a solution and they would, they would put the meat or whatever it is that they would have, and they would have all the blood drain out of it. And so, in essence, what you're eating is something that would probably be similar to my belt. I mean, what do you think all that those good hamburgers get their taste from? From blood and uric acid? Fat? And yet the Bible says, God forbids the eating of blood. But how many of, how many of us follow Follow what God is saying here. So you know what? I, I eat clean meat, but it's but I but now we, we just come across another element of it where God says, Don't eat the blood. I just always wondered why my mom and my dad used to always soak everything, all the meat and everything, and you would just see all the blood drain out into the water. Of course, then they'd have to They'd have to put all kinds of marinades and other stuff to make it taste good, you know, barbecue sauce and, and all this other stuff, right? So I'm just, that's just something that, you know, for you to think about. Um, that's what the Bible says. So let's go to question number 13. Does it matter to God if people smoke or use other tobacco products? I find it interesting that 
this little old lady that I spoke of who, had, who God blessed this church or blessed us with with a health message over 100 years ago, do you know that during her time, they said that you should actually smoke or take up tobacco to deal with bronchitis? <laughs> How would that fly today? Hey, you got bronchitis? Go and have a cigarette. You see, medical science is finally, or is, catching up with this little old lady that shared all these things. When I was working at Seattle City Light, there was a guy that came in and spoke, man, I, I, I just had to laugh. I mean, I, I nearly fell out of my chair. We were all gathered there, and he was talking about, you know, safety, and, and when we're in a, when we're in a um, confined space, and we're working with transformers and things like that, and you've got to be careful because... You know, there can be an arc or electricity. And he said, oh, by the way, our hearts operate by electricity. And there was an old lady over 100 years ago who said that. And people thought she was crazy. Again, I share with you these things because God has blessed us. And it says here, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, you shall not what? You shall not murder. Okay, let me wrap this up because our time is, is far spent. So tobacco products, beloved, again, de- debilitating. It's been proven a major cause of lung cancer and other, and other issues. Um, reliable science reveals that every cigarette smoke, smoked causes tremendous harm to the human body and mind. And also, you know, it says, they even say, and it's still true, that secondhand smoke is what? Even more dangerous, right? If you're, I mean, if, if you're anywhere near somebody who smokes and you're, you're inhaling or breathing in that secondhand smoke, um, man, I feel sorry because, that, you know, and again, I must say that it's a miracle of God um, because I've been in places where it's just been like filled with smoke, And God has uh, preserved me, but let me share with you that, you know, we still, you know, God takes the brunt of it. Me and Pastor were discussing this earlier today. Even though God still takes the brunt of our choices, and praise be to God for that, there are still consequences to our choices. Would you say amen? amen. I mean, that's just the truth. Choices we made while we were young still affect us today. Okay? But God is faithful. Let me just go through this real quick because I think we only have let me see, I just want to make sure we, we, we only have three more questions so let me just say, what about Peter's vision didn't God tell Peter in Acts chapter 10 that it's okay to eat unclean animals no, read the context he's talking about people, not animals he says you are not to call any man common or unclean so that, that's, that explains itself again, the Bible is its own best interpreter let the Bible speak and then what about Paul telling Timothy praying over his food would make the consumption of that food acceptable in God's sight? Let me ask you something. So if you prayed over something that was poisonous, do you think that that all of a sudden becomes not poisonous and it's okay for you to eat? No, that's called presumption. Okay? And let me just share with you that when Paul, when Paul was saying that to Timothy, and, and when, when you read that, you have to understand that the principle is we can eat whatever God has blessed. Now, he tells us 
what is blessed and what we can eat in the passages that we just read. Did we not? So it makes it clear, okay? This one, what about Paul telling Timothy to drink wine for the sake of his stomach? It's been, it's been proven in the medical fields that when you, are having, when you are having stomach issues or dealing with an ailment in the stomach, sometimes it's best that you drink a little bit of grape, of grape juice because there's healing properties in grape juice, okay? Um, I have a natu- naturopathic doctor that, that, wor- that goes to Maple Valley and so... And um, also when I, when I came into ministry years ago in Hawaii, I was part of a team that was, was into medical missionary work. And so these are some of the studies that we did. And we went, you know, house to house and helping people deal with different ailments and, and illnesses. And so this is what Paul's referring to, that take a, drink a little bit of grape juice for your stomach and it'll, it, will, it will bring um, healing and comfort to that area. What about Paul saying in Romans chapter 14, verse 2, that he who is weak eats only vegetables? <laughs> well, I guess, I guess we're all weak in here then, huh? Yeah. But now that's not what he's talking about. Read the context. He's saying, you know, that there are those that, you know, uh, for the sake of not becoming a stumbling block to your brother or sister. And you know what's so sad? This is really sad. No matter, no matter how we leave this place or wherever I go and I share this message with people, listen, everyone, everyone is free to make their own choice. And whatever your choice is, I'm still going to love you and respect you regardless of your choice. Would you say amen? But you know that there are a lot of people who are health nuts. You know, they, they, they want to look at your plate during fellowship meal. Or they'll look, at the, they'll look at the whole roll of food that's lined up and they'll be like, what's in that? Okay? Now I know that there are allergies and, you know, things like that you've got to be aware of. You know, some people can't eat peanuts. You know, my son is allergic to peanuts. And the other day he had an outbreak because, you know, we forgot about his allergy and somebody gave him, one of us gave him peanuts and then he just, you know, broke out in hives. But listen, oftentimes what I've discovered is that misery loves company. And if you're miserable with your one carrot and your one broccoli, please don't make the other person that has a full plate of stuff that you don't want to eat but you really want to. Miserable. Okay? Be hard on yourself. Listen, I'm hard. my diet is different from my wife's. Different from my children. But it doesn't, listen, I'm not going to like, honey, you know what? We, by God's grace, are all growing. Let the Holy Spirit do His work and let the Holy Spirit grow people according to to their growth rate. Would you say amen? So, you know what also is hypocritical is when we tell people not to eat this and that and then late at night we find ourselves um, in a drive-thru somewhere. So be careful. Question number 14, how did Paul describe the Christian journey toward our heavenly home? Now I'm not dismissing again the health message is very, very important. It's the right arm of the gospel. But what I'm sharing with you is that if God, if God respects our freedom of choice, then we ought to respect one another's freedom of choice. Would you say amen? But we need to pray for one another. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 and 25, let's, let's wrap this up. 
Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may what? You may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is what, everybody? Temperate in how many things? In all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Would you say amen? So we ought to be temperate. We ought to run to obtain, and we ought to be temperate in all things. But we, we for an imperishable crown. You know, one of the things that God, the Lord has been really helping me with and giving me some victory over is, and you know, and I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy it, but man, I got a sweet tooth, Pastor. <laughs> but I want to tell you that, you know, they know, we know that, you know, um, refined sugar is dangerous, folks. And I'm not saying that, you know, there's anything wrong with, you know, having, you know, snacks here and there and, uh, you know, but we just, we just, that's why it says to be temperate, be moderate, okay? Because, man, I sure, I'm telling you right now, I would go over there and kill all those cookies that you have, okay? Um, but praise be to God. 15, what great biblical principle reminds us of the importance of honoring God with our bodies? Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? Not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is, in your, which is your reasonable service. Would you say amen? So we ought to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. And then, then please notice 16. And this is our only source of help and strength. Where can a person find the strength to adopt the health principles recommended by God? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, I can do how many things? All things through Christ who does what? Who strengthens me. Would you say amen? And beloved, that right there is the promise of God's word. Again, you know, we wrestle and struggle. We can't do it in our own strength and power, but praise be to God for Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God is well able to not only provide strength to make changes in our lives, but also to be the strength we need to live lives that are entirely committed to God's glory. What seems impossible to us in our human weakness is possible with God in his divine strength. God is able to help every, anyone enjoy the blessings that come from following his principles for good health. Would you say amen? Praise be to God. And so I just close tonight this session with asking, you know, how many of us just want to be the habitation of the Holy Spirit, want to surrender to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm not where you want me to be, but help me to grow in your grace. Help me to grow in your grace. If that's your, your prayer, then please raise your hands with me as I pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for the health message found in your word. And Lord, you don't want us to be sick. In fact, in fact, Lord, you don't want us, Lord, to deprive our families, our churches, our communities, and you of our service. We rob you, God, when we just decide that, you know what, this body is my body. I can do whatever I like with it. I can, I can eat and drink as I please. And Lord, we die prematurely, therefore robbing you of, your, of, of the service 
that you deserve for your honor and glory. We rob our families of our presence prematurely, our spouse, our children. And so, Lord, help us not to think of ourselves and be selfish, but to think of you and to think of others and to live for you and to live for others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.